Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Espresso Epilogues. Hi, everyone. Hello, everyone. We are sorry it took us another month <laughs> to upload another episode. We actually recorded one, yeah, but we, we had to re-record. Yeah, we recorded one and lost it, and these are just the struggles of a podcast. But we're here, and we're determined, and we're going to be consistent. So thank you for sticking along. And now comes the long-awaited episode on Kafka and the trial. Yes, we put a question on our previous episode, the Dostoevsky one, which, by the way, was by far the most played one we've ever had. Even a lot more played than the Donna Tartt one, (laughs) which was a surprise. Which was a big surprise. Um, We put a question underneath on Spotify that said, what topics do you guys want to see next? And we got so many people saying Kafka. So we read the trial, we did some research, and we were basically preparing for this one. So mm-hmm. here we are. Here we are. Also, we have an important announcement, which we hope you love. So we've started a Discord community for people that love literature and philosophy. Basically, the topics that we touch upon on our podcast and our social media. We wanted to create a space where everyone can connect with each other over these topics, and it felt like People really wanted that and there wasn't really a space centered around that. So we now have a Discord server that you can join. And for anyone who joins by January 15th, it's going to be free forever. After that, we're turning it into a Patreon benefit because we'll be launching a Patreon then in order to be able to support this podcast and also offer a book club and a lot of other fun things. So yeah, join by January 15th and you can just remain a member for free forever. We're looking to be very, very active on it, so yes. take advantage of this opportunity. and Please join us, and you can come talk to us, talk to other people that are listening to this podcast, and just, you know, talk about anything, literature, philosophy, poetry. We're going to share interesting articles we find and essays. You can talk about writing or share your writing. Mm-hmm. It's going to be just a very welcoming community for everybody. So we're going to add the link below, and uh, yeah, please join and meet like-minded people. So, let's do this. So the person that recommended the trial, who hurt you? <laughs> who hurt you? The people that recommended the people the that trial. recommended. I get it. I like reading soul crushing books, but this one, this one's so funny Kafka. with me. Kafka's good. We like Kafka. I Just, like everything I had been reading about Kafka, like before I read any writing of his, was just memorable in a way. You know yeah. how there's this. This one Wikipedia entry that says something about how <laughs> he thought that everyone found him physically irritating and <laughs> ugly. Yes, yeah. and then it was like, that is true. They also found him extremely irritating. <laughs> like some justice for our man Kafka, please. It's funny because he probably put out that energy to the world, and that's what he received. He looks normal, like physically. I mean, yeah, I mean, how, we have like two pictures of him. Yeah, he looks fine. <laughs> Our poor man Kafka. He was done dirty. Smash. Next. (laughs) No, edit that out. Am I gonna edit it out? (laughs) Aspa is not gonna let me edit that out, but for the record, that was Aspa that spoke. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I just gotta say that we both got very terrible terrible editions of this book. None of them have paragraphs, which adds to the absurdity of Kafka's writing. You guys, I wish I could show you the edition I got. I ordered it on Amazon. I know that was a mistake, but I needed it quickly. And I live in London. And the one that arrived was so damn weird. Like the the text was Mm -hmm. like font size eight, no paragraphs, Mm -hmm. tiny. 
super compact, unreadable, no details on the front cover or back cover. I feel like it was just someone that printed it out and managed to sell it on Amazon and I somehow got it thinking it was a real edition. Was it the one with the, one with the nice cover? Yeah, it was a very pretty cover, like an orangey red one. With eyes on it? Yeah. Oh, shame. Anyway, terrible, terrible It made me nauseous when you showed me over the phone. Girl, I, I know, I know. It made me nauseous. I, I can only imagine what you went through. I did not read it. I kept it on the shelf and then I... You read it on Kindle? Yeah, I read it on Kindle. <laughs> So here we are, and you guys should grab a little coffee or whatever drink you like, because that's what we're always doing when we're recording, hence espresso epilogues. So get your favorite drink, and let's talk about Kafka. Have other of us even ever had an espresso when recording episodes? It's always filter coffee yeah, or I generally cappuccinos. Don't so. Right now we're having cappuccinos. I think the problem is the espressos would run out too quickly, mm-hmm. and the recordings take us so long. That's true. Who wants an espresso epilogues coffee brand? Hit us up. Hit us up. <laughs> a literary themed one, just saying. Just putting that out there. It's on my Pinterest board. Well, coming up, you never know. Coming up, guys. Okay, so let's dive in. All right, so for all those of you that live under a rock, who is Kafka? In very short terms, Kafka is a Czech-born German-speaking writer known for his tremendously enigmatic and influential literature. He dabbles with the themes of existentialism, bureaucracy, and... Finding oneself, aka existentialism. Do you want to so, give us a little brief enter on the trial? Yeah, so let's talk about the trial. The thing with Kafka is that a lot of his writing was published posthumously. So he had this friend and estate manager, I believe. I'm going to fact check that, I don't remember his name. He asked him to burn all of his writing when he dies because he had tuberculosis for seven years. And he was like, well, when I die, please burn everything I haven't published. But he instead decided to publish everything because he had so much faith in Kafka's writing. And that is a big reason why we are talking about him today because the things he did publish in his lifetime got some recognition, but only within his very immediate mm-hmm. circle, I think. Definitely not anywhere near as much as they have today. So we have him to thank, I suppose. How weird is that, though? Like, yeah, Imagine, like, I feel kind of weird about... It's almost a violation. Like, I would hate that if I were Kafka, I think. But also, it did get the recognition he deserved, and I think he was yes. like burn it but not from a point of i don't want anyone to read it but from a point of i think this is all terrible and then turns out it wasn't so it was just that he didn't have faith in his writing he didn't have faith in his writing and i mean we'll explore this too but kafka was just a deeply traumatized individual so if anything if i would have read this now and kafka were still alive yeah i would have wished some good therapy meditation (laughs) eft tapping eft tapping manifestation (laughs) (laughs) so sorry kafka so yeah like just a side note, but I feel like if I was like, please burn all my writing after I die, Do you feel and like then it's instead it's published, like, my ghost would haunt you guys, but then I'm not sure if it would make up for it if the writing was, you know, welcomed and loved. True. <laughs> Maybe it would. Maybe I would be like, oh, okay then, like, thanks for that. It really is, but it really is, like, an intricate and very well established uh, not very well established it's just very important literature it like is it's become a pillar of it's a modern day classic and of course kafka is one of the few authors turned adjectives such as you know orwellian kafka-esque kafka-esque what else do we have we have a lot but i can't think of many right now but yeah, Hoover-y. just made up Colleen Hoover. You're which, welcome, Colleen Hoover. Yeah, oh, we're gonna no. take to mean 
book talkish. Mm-hmm. Book talkish, good one, Ari. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does so, it feel like to carry the brains of the podcast? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me, honey. Shut up. Uh, so let's talk about the trial. Let's do so it. it was published after his death. It was published in 1925. And it is a cornerstone of Kafka's legacy. It's considered a very significant work. And if you haven't read it, the story is basically, it revolves around Joseph K., who is a bank officer, who wakes up one day and is inexplicably arrested and put on trial by some authority. Like a, you know, a vague and inaccessible remote authority. And ununiformed authority. Mm-hmm. We never do find out I'm... Um, oh, spoiler alert, by the way. This episode is going to have some spoilers, so we recommend listening to it if you have read the trial or if you don't mind the spoilers. I think, you know, books like that that aren't super story-driven and long, it's fine to have a spoiler because there's like four things that happen, but yeah. But also, like, I mean, most people know what happens just because it's been studied in school exactly. and it's talked about so much. Exactly. You were talking about um, the trial, how he's inexplicably... Yeah, the crime is never revealed, and we think that... Joseph K. was innocent because he's like, well, it, he mentions many times he's done nothing wrong and this is just an absurd trial. Funny, one funny thing is that I was talking about this book to my sister who hasn't read it and I was talking to her about it before I finished it and she was saying, and I was telling him that he's innocent and she was like, well, at least that's what you think for now. <laughs> and I hadn't even considered that he might not be you know? So that we might find out yeah, the very, the she, very end. Or at least mm-hmm. she was like, you never know. Maybe he did commit some crime and we just don't know about it, which is so funny. But You know something? When I started the book and I was also tremendously keen on finding out why is he being, why is he going to trial, you quickly come to understand that you're not going to find out. Which I think kind of takes you through the same journey that exactly. he's going through. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So And knowing Kafka, knowing Kafka-esque motifs, I knew that we're not going to find out. But I kind of hope that Kafka would give us clues through his writing, through yeah, the character something. building. Oh, there was one, you know, where the his landlady was it told, tells him that she heard about the crime. Yes. And it wasn't like a bad crime. Mm-hmm. It was a chill crime. So, so I'm thinking it's giving you like a home. financial crime, like he works like at a fraud. bank, something like that. Or he like didn't file his taxes right. Yeah, maybe. Something very, you know, petty yeah, crime. Exactly, exactly. Unintentional crime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the only clue we get. So we know he didn't murder mm-hmm. anyone. But yeah. Let me ask you something. Yeah. What were your thoughts overall on the novel? And then we can dive into the themes. So I I don't know what to rate this novel. I had I haven't reviewed it yet. I have no idea. I I enjoyed reading it because I feel like it flowed nicely. Mm-hmm. One point I wanna make <laughs> is that I listened to the audiobook at some points. It was just like the basic one I found on Audible, but the voice actors, it was performed by two voice actors, they kind of made it sound funny. So I was sometimes just laughing at the dialogue, and I don't know if that was the intention (laughs) that Kafka had, or if it was just that the guys doing the voices were just being silly, you know, and like, but I, it was entertaining to me. <laughs> right. And I think Aspa was reading the book physically and she was having a very different experience. Very and I was so. like, Kafka is being so silly with his dialogue. So like, wow. some points of it, you know, I genuinely found entertaining. Okay. Are you going to end up rating it? I'm not going to ask you for your rating. But I don't are you know. going to? I don't know how to rate it. I'm taking the high road if that's of any inspiration. I just don't rate classics. 
I love that. Yeah, that's an Aspa thing. That's a me thing. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to. Please don't follow. It's also just me avoiding any cancellations or any. <laughs> Aspa canceled Kafka. You heard it here first. <laughs> Squish no. that roach. <laughs> no, we're not canceling him. You guys. No. no. Okay. So, huh? What did you think? What was your experience reading it? I didn't like this book. Straight up. <laughs> she did not skip a beat. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, the thing was, I very much enjoy Kafka and his writing, but something about this book, I could not get out of my head. It sat with me so funny. It was so deeply disturbing and eerie. Uh-huh. This novel, to me, what was most disturbing of all is that it seems colorless. It's, Ooh, it seems, seems black me, and white. It seems black and white oh, to that's me. That's so true. Especially... When it comes to the characters, they seem very two-dimensional as if they only live on paper. Yeah. That was what sat very weird with me. So I kind of finished the book and sat and stared at a wall for three hours. Wow. Trying to dig through it. I love thrillers. I love psychological thrillers. This one disturbed me deeply. Why did it disturb you? I, I'm going to say that, like, I didn't feel too disturbed by this book. I was kind of neutral towards it. Like... I like Kafka's writing. I think he has so much to offer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I didn't really feel... I didn't have any strong emotion towards it. That's why I'm curious, like, why you feel so strongly disturbed by it. And of course, I understand the themes. Yeah. It makes total sense that you should be. Mm-hmm. But also, it was done so casually that... That's the beauty of writing. I feel like it didn't writing. even give me the option to feel disturbed. Oh, I like your interpretation. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I think once we we'll dive into these themes, and I think it'll kind of unveil my my thoughts on it a little bit more, and why I found it so disturbing. But I'm completely intrigued by what you're saying, and you're so right. Kafka does write so well that it just it it just works, right? It works. Yeah, yeah. And he wrote a lot. You know, he wrote a lot of letters mm-hmm. to everyone, <laughs> a lot of stories. He was a lover boy, as we say. He was also, he had serious daddy issues. We'll get into that in a bit. Yeah, we will, we will. But my edition, my Kindle edition, had this foreword that Aspa's edition didn't. And I wanted to tell her about it, and you guys, in case you haven't heard of it, because I hadn't read about this part of Kafka's life being related to the trial anywhere else except for the foreword, and I found it very interesting. I think it gives us some insight into what he was thinking of when he wrote it. Mm-hmm. So this is basically about when he met a woman called Felice Bauer, who was a German-Jewish woman in 1912. And they started corresponding a lot, writing a lot of letters to each other. I heard somewhere that he was writing her like two to three letters a day. Wow. Like, damn. Commitment. Commitment. It wasn't really a romantic relationship at first, but he was thinking of her as like his fiance already, or, you know, he just was obsessing. So they were just talking. This was a talking stage. Yeah, it was a talking stage. It was a situationship. Wow, okay. It wasn't even yet a situationship. So... <laughs> Kafka! <laughs> Lover boy. So they had an epistolary relationship. But then they ended up getting engaged twice. Kafka would propose to her, be super passionate about it, and then he could not commit to marriage eventually. And that's pretty interesting. So while he had this relationship with Felice. He had a particular productive period in his writing career. He wrote The Metamorphosis during that time. He wrote The Judgment. And he began The Trial. <laughs> yeah. The his power psyche. of a woman. Wow. Never forget yeah. that. 
listeners. Yeah, I'll never forget that. Get you a muse, I suppose. Right? Yeah. So the turmoil and the guilt and the ambivalence he felt in this relationship with Felice going between wanting to get married, then dreading getting married and like canceling it. Those are themes that are often reflected in his works, turmoil and guilt and ambivalence and all of that. Mm-hmm. And for the trial specifically, it's believed that his feelings about Felice influenced some of the novel's themes and the novel's tone. Mm-hmm. So these feelings of Joseph K. in the trial of anxiety, helplessness, um, this surreal bureaucracy that's depicted in the book kind of mirrors Kafka's own feelings of being trapped and overwhelmed of the prospect of marrying Felice. Goodness gracious. Um, I think I read at some point he was like, when he was waiting to, to get married or something like that, he wrote in his journal that he felt like he was just waiting to be on trial like to you know and it's like damn honey you chose this first of all but you you know it gives you some insight into his psyche a lot of existential anxiety and guilt so this whole relationship was characterized by a lot of indecision a sense of obligation and that i feel like probably intensified the feelings and themes in his work wow and then the relationship ended around when was it like five years later i think five Um, years of that Goodness. Yeah, I don't know exactly like, you know, what the patterns were like, but that whole relationship I think gave him a lot of existential angst and was a big impactful event in his life. So it kind of gives you some insight into how he was feeling when he was writing the trial and the feeling of being trapped and kind of the indecision and the confusion definitely relates to that. But I know that there's also a lot about him and his father, which you can tell me about. Sure thing. And this isn't this isn't any forwards. This is just taken out of magazines and journals. But Kafka dealt with an incredibly abusive father, tormented him in every aspect of his life, really. Keep in mind, Kafka's father was significantly taller than him. Kafka himself was quite frail and short. So there was that actual physical manifestation of a taller more intimidating figure in his life. Mm -hmm. And that certainly does manifest in his works, which we'll dive into a little bit further. Uh Yes, so Kafka's father was a quite authoritarian figure that he could never really escape. Mm -hmm. It strained his relationships and really did influence his writing too. Even after he had long moved out, Kafka still felt this strained conflict and relationship at one point in his life, he wrote letters to his father mm-hmm. and tried to confront his father about certain things, couldn't do it, so kind of involved his mother as the middle woman in this. Yeah. But his mother was also deeply intimidated by Kafka's father that she herself couldn't even relay the message to him. Yeah. So there's constant hopelessness in Kafka's relationship with his father. Yeah. So if this is set, this is the destiny, and you can deeply sense it in his writings landscape super interesting yeah so there's a big theme in the trial of just power and power dynamics and mm-hmm. i think that's power and bureaucracy and that's one of the very main subjects he touches upon through mm-hmm. this story i think that because of the whole thing with his father and because he just saw himself as kind of like a like a outsider in society definitely i think he had very low self-worth from everything we've read about him it really seems like that and that's why i think he's very good at describing power from the point of view of the victim of the person experiencing the exercise of power which is what's happening with joseph k 
And we don't really get the feeling that Joseph K is weak or anything. I think he's just kind of a neutral guy, right? Feels like that to me. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's why he was very focused on those feelings of someone that is on the end of experiencing the power. He also describes to piggyback off of you individual powerlessness mm -hmm. and stems in his inability, Joseph K's inability to comprehend the complexities of the legal system he lives in. Yeah. It almost seems as if there's an overlord to this legal system. Of course, this is me kind of going a little bit more into the so-called matrix, but what I'm trying to get at is the point that the legal system is so intricately and seamlessly wrapped around every aspect of our lives, mm -hmm. you can never even begin to see where it unravels. And Joseph K is familiar with it, first of all, because he is a banker, he's a finance boy, but also because Kafka is well-versed. He has served in multiple corporate jobs. He was working in insurance, mm -hmm. and I also believe he was working at a government office. So he's very much aware of how complex, overly complex, these systems are. And I saw a point that I found interesting about how Joseph K is not given a full name, which kind of suggests the anonymity of that bureaucracy, where people are often reduced to just cases or numbers. Statistics, yeah. yes, exactly. And that Kafka's work made him very familiar with that whole thing, of course. Imagine how many people's lives he had information on without knowing like who they actually were. Absolutely. To him, it's all anonymous. And he really hated the depersonalization brought upon mm -hmm. by the bureaucratic systems that he was also part of. And so I read that at some point he became a civil servant for the Workers' Accident Insurance Institute to basically help <laughs> workers. Yeah. To, he was like helping workers oh, injured Kafka. on the job. So, oh, Kafka. Oh, Kafka. I'm sorry. Cutie. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. He really does understand the inefficiencies of these institutions, specifically the complicated, overly complex procedures yeah. that it takes to, to, to process a case like this. As someone who actually has served, I have I studied political science, like mm -hmm. I have a degree in it, and I have Queen. actually served in a government office, and I understand how deeply bureaucratic these cases are, yeah. and how they're treated in order of first come, first serve. Damn. Certainly depends on the country, don't let me overgeneralize, but yeah. I can understand the very impersonal nature of decision making when it comes to these bureaucratic institutions. Exactly, exactly. So, and yeah, Kafka writes beautifully. Makes sense that as someone that spent half of his life and his waking hours serving in these mm -hmm. offices, when he's feeling those themes mm -hmm. and he wants to write about them, it, it's not surprising that he would write them in relation to kind of a corporate bureaucratic system. But the talent he has for making it seem as if he makes it so enigmatic to the point where we're questioning, like, how does he know all this? How does he feel all this? Yeah. It's, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it's partly, it makes me feel like he felt just condemned as a person you he know? certainly did i wanted to, yes thank you for mentioning that the control over his destiny the control over joseph k's destiny mm -hmm. is this something you've also noticed tell me about it well joseph k really felt as if his destiny has already been set out like this is yeah. how his his life will come to end yeah ultimately there's just this inevitable inevitable trial that he cannot escape no matter what he does exactly exactly he accepts the trial and he never gives up trying to still follow the rules of the law even though they're so obscure and he doesn't right. understand them mm -hmm. he doesn't know what the rules are mm -hmm. but yet he's trying to play by those rules of course he doesn't really like protest or do right. anything really mm -hmm. 
you know. And I not think, only this, he continues going to work. Yeah. He goes he to work. He continues going to work, goes home, knowing that he has a trial He went up. to the trial, you know, the second time when he went to the, mm. or was it, to the... Cathedral? No, when oh, they the had told him right. he has to go, like, every Sunday to the... Oh, the building. The to the building, building yeah. whatever, yeah. The building. And he went the second Sunday, too, even though they hadn't summoned him. And the first time, they hadn't told him what time, so he just showed up at 9 a.m. Because yes. he figured that must be it. And then he got scolded for yeah. not showing up on yeah, time. Yeah, they hadn't told him where to find them, what time, and then they were like, you're late. Bro. So he was trying. And Kafka just takes it. He's like, well, Joseph K just takes it. Yeah. He's like, oh. Yeah. And he's like, oh, sorry, won't happen again, I guess. Like, he was just trying to play by the rules wow. and be a good, you know, boy of the law. Even though Damn. it doesn't make any sense to him. He doesn't know what nice rules he's following. Kafka's making fun of social commentary. And I think it shows that Joseph K was placing a lot of faith in the bureaucratic system that it should be, that it must be rational. Mm-hmm. Like it must mm-hmm. make some sense. Right. But it's just misplaced faith, of course, because nothing does ah, make sense in his part. Do you think it's also a play on meritocracy as if this man is someone who's got a very respectable career and so his life, you know, should be comfortable? Yeah. And all of a sudden he's faced with this absurd trial that makes no sense. And Joseph mm-hmm. K is like, what have I done to deserve this? Yeah. What, what have I done? What have I possibly done wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. I think to me this is why the characters felt so two-dimensional. It really seems to me as if all the characters are also kind of living their own destinies mm-hmm. and not intertwining with Joseph K's life. Joseph just really doesn't receive any help from any characters. Yeah. Very minimal... Very minimal intervention. Interventions, exactly. That's why they felt so two-dimensional. They felt as if they were distant characters. Yeah, they feel like background characters. They feel like, exactly. They felt like they were just part of the Matrix. Yeah. (laughs) That's what frustrated me. No one set out the help. We really had no exploration on any other person's psyche. Yeah, you're right. And it was frustrating to me. As someone who really values human relationships more than anything. Yeah. Just... No you're seeing someone tormented and yeah you're seeing someone tormented but then again it really does seem to me like this is a manifestation of Kafka's psyche yeah no one really intervened helpless mm, the yeah. whole time he really did feel helpless so I feel sorry for Kafka me too and Joseph K and Joseph K and like Joseph K. poor Joseph K yeah we were Arifili and I grappled we're having a hard time understanding later on in the book the scene on the cathedral and along with the very abrupt ending, once again, spoiler alert, if you haven't read it, read it and then come back to this episode. Mm-hmm. So it's basically the last two chapters. The last two chapters are just a little bit rushed, and I have read some ambiguous... It's so analyzed. Super not-so-trustworthy sources explaining that Kafka never really ended the novel. We'll, we'll discuss that between right. us a little further, but it does seem to me as if the cathedral scene was supposed to lead to something a little bigger. Kafka, Joseph K's character, enters the cathedral Mm -hmm. and meets with a priest. And it seems to me like he uses religion for redemption. Mm -hmm. So Kafka goes to then, in a sense, purge to confess his sins to then gain redemption from God. Mm -hmm. Yet it isn't given to him. And there's an incredibly powerful dialogue exchange with him and the priest. I'll read it out to you. It's just a sentence. No, said the priest, you don't need to accept everything as true. You only have to accept it as necessary. Which, speaking of the trial, you don't have to accept, my interpretation is, you don't have to accept your destiny as what you deserve, but you have to accept it as what it is. Exactly. So to me, it's like a trauma response in a sense. 
he's ex you don't have to accept your father's critiques of you, judgment of you is true, but you kind of have to accept it as necessary. as something that, you know, you have to be subjected to. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what he was feeling. Yeah. Of course, this is my interpretation. Take it, interpret it as you will. I think it's a very interesting one. I appreciate it. Thank you. Do you have anything to say on the cathedral scene? Hmm. It was just such a... It felt like such an important scene. And I think maybe it was like the most important mm -hmm. scene of the novel. That's why it's subject to so many different interpretations. The priest, who is also a prison chaplain, tells Joseph K. a story about a man who wants to gain access to the law but is prevented from doing so by a gatekeeper. The man waits for years, he bribes the gatekeeper, he grows old, and then he eventually dies without ever gaining access to the law. And as he dies, he learns that the gate he has been trying to enter was meant only for him and is now being closed forever. So he tells him this story and they discuss it. And I think the whole scene and the story is just to accentuate the themes of the elusiveness of truth and justice, the incomprehensibility of bureaucracy, like the whole intense vagueness around mm -hmm. like the lack of clarity around mm -hmm. the whole system and that's how it's designed right it's supposed to confuse yeah. you it's supposed exactly. to confuse you it's supposed to be interpreted a thousand different ways but also with great difficulty and i think it's also interesting that the cathedral which is kind of supposed to be a place of sanctuary and peace becomes then for joseph k more of a place of confusion and further despair Ooh. which is kind of just like the law you know he would have assumed that it would have all been figured out because the law must make sense and the system must make sense. So that's what's meant to bring him the peace and the mm -hmm. eventual clarity on the whole subject. But then it obviously just does the opposite. Kafka is just such an incredible, absurdist thinker. It's amazing how talented Kafka was. And this is such a short book too, and it still touches upon yeah. such important topics in a very accomplished way in a, uh, such an accomplished way thank you for the clarity on the cathedral scene oh that's how i see it but i have no idea if it's accurate but i guess that's how it reads to me but that's how it reads to you and that's yeah. the beauty of it you know when they're talking about in the cathedral like the doorkeeper thing the, the thing that i found interesting there one of the only things i highlighted in this book was that the priest tells i keep i keep being about to say kafka he tells joseph k that a free man can be seen as superior to the doorkeeper even if the free man is in a way condemned and he right. says now the man from the country is really free he can go where he likes it's only entry into the law which is denied him mm -hmm. and this is only by one individual the doorkeeper and then it says when he sits down on the stool to one side of the door and remains there his whole life long this happens voluntarily the narrative tells of no compulsion the doorkeeper on the other hand is tied to his post by his office he may not go elsewhere and to judge by appearances neither may he go into the interior if he wanted to and then it says that basically it is true that he's in service of the law, but he serves only for this entrance. So only for the man for whom alone this entrance is destined. So he is subordinate to the man for this reason too. Mm -hmm. And that the end of the doorkeeper's service too is determined by the end of the man's life. So he remains subordinate to him to the end. Okay. Like, I feel like that was an important addition. I think it's kind of saying that the law is in a way serving Joseph K., even though it feels a lot more that Joseph K is being controlled by the law. You know? ah, it so feels like the doorkeeper is turning it around. Cool. So you can interpret it however you want, but I think it's very interesting that he makes that argument of the 
basically the law officer being subordinate to the man that mm. is trying to is like knocking on the door of the law, you know. Damn, because, because it feels Deep. like he's obviously the authority, quote unquote. Right. But the priest is saying, mm, maybe not. Wow. So That's maybe deep. that is part of Kafka telling himself that he still has some power. That True. he still has some power even if he feels condemned. I see what you mean. Let's talk about this ambiguous ending. Let's talk about the ending. So, last scene. What do we think of it? Do you want to take sure. us through it? You might have to help me because it's been a minute since I've read it. But oh, yeah. I literally... read it last night. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I read it about a couple weeks ago. And I've read two books since. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Jinx. Wow, I have not. That, that's the one I read. I did not meet my Goodreads challenge this year. No, neither did I. I am not done editing it, but... Oh, damn it. Next year. Better luck next year. Next year. Every time it's like, <laughs> next year. I leave like one more book. My most successful Goodreads challenge was like 2016. I think I read like In 60, high school. 60 books or something. Yeah. Wow. But I see all these like booked up people are like, I read 250 books this year. No, you year. did it. Stop lying. How did you do that? You did it. You're a liar. <laughs> How did you do that? Anyway, so the last <laughs> scene. Do you want me to summarize it? then yeah go ahead so basically the little last chapter is when on the eve of joseph k's 31st birthday exactly a year after his arrest two men two agents of this ambiguous court arrest him he they, they show up without warning but he's dressed up and he's kind of he seems to be expecting someone which is weird and we don't know how and why and they take him to a quarry outside the city it's like a very weird situation where he kind of leads them there, mm-hmm. and they let him, but also he says it seemed like that is where they wanted to take him. Wow. So, super weird. Like, he's just guided by his destiny at this point. Like, yeah, Just in yeah. case, just blindsided. Exactly, thank you. Exactly. So it seems like he's just guided by his destiny, and he's like, yep, that's where I'm meant to be going. So that's a very symbolic and enigmatic scene. One of the agents eventually holds out a knife to Kay, and... He says that he knows he's meant to take the knife himself, but he doesn't want to. He knows he's meant to take his own life, but he doesn't want to. And then eventually they stab him in the heart. And And he dies. And he dies. And And his last words are, like a dog. Like, that they killed him like a dog, you know? So Frustrates. Frustrating, huh? I guess the... That means to me that he sees it as being treated without dignity, without humanity, and he sees the absurd and dehumanizing nature of the whole situation. How do you see it? Frustrating. Frustrating. Because there's no closure, because we never find out what happens in the trial, but at the same time, we do. Not only does Joseph K. die... But why does he die? It's, he's metaphorically dead already. Yeah, I know, but like... that's what his destiny led him to. Yeah, he's already dead. He's someone who's followed... Every it seems to me like we don't have any backdrop or any understanding of Joseph K's life prior mm-hmm. to the day of his thirtieth birthday when he was woken up. Yeah, Joseph K dies metaphorically first, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He dies because he realizes that his destiny is fulfilled. This yeah. trial is pointless. He's done nothing wrong, and he lives his entire the following year in torment of what the outcome of the trial will be. Even though it seems to me like deep down he already knows that. Yeah. He's not going to make it out alive. You're right, actually. Yeah. And so the stabbing is just a, a way to put an end to it, mm-hmm. which ties into the absurdity of it. What yeah. was the point of killing him, even though it is closure at the same time? Yeah. It's just frustrating because we never really find out <laughs> what led to it. Yeah, and especially because it wasn't the kind of crime that they would kill him for. Exactly. It feels like, obviously. Like, That's... like that escalated, you know? 
and and it comes so abruptly it's the stabbing is a paragraph yeah it's very it's short. very short very abrupt and we both of us have um encountered sources claiming that kafka didn't finish this yeah i think it's kind of been said to be an unfinished novel it's but unfinished we don't know novel. if that means that he wrote this chapter and then was he was meant to write. to write more or that he didn't write this chapter he didn't write i have no idea i don't know because if he didn't write it then that's quite a leap to take for an editor to just decide to end it like that that's true unless he had notes who knows yeah i haven't encountered any trustworthy sources on this though it does end in a sense it does give me closure but it doesn't it mm -hmm. gives me closure because i interpret it as joseph k's destiny is already set out for him so it ends this mm -hmm. abruptly and kafka is a very is an absurdist writer and yeah this just ties into the absurdity it's not supposed to make sense but also i'm frustrated because i want to find out what the hell this trial was all about well that's why you're meant to feel the frustration that's true <laughs> and kafka just hands down talent so ridiculously talented so i think you didn't like the book because you felt the way Kafka intended you to feel while reading it. Yeah. I think what I didn't like about it was that it was so colorless to me. Yeah. Whereas if you read Kafka's letters to Milena, for instance, yes. it's so... Colorful. Colorful <laughs> and just tainted with love and it's 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 heartwarming. Yeah, like Kafka, I feel it is a very... Is emotive the right yeah, word? Yeah, emotive. Like emotive word. writer. Absolutely. And in the trial, he just had to do the opposite. Exactly. And I think even the manner of his death, Joseph K's death, mm -hmm. is very mechanical and impersonal. And that mirrors the cold and bureaucratic process that condemned him. It's... Uh -huh. Yeah, like the whole thing is very impersonal and mechanical uh, like and absurd. Nice. I think, you know how throughout the last chapter, Joseph K is feeling ashamed? At some point, I think there was a point where he stopped... And then he was like, oh, I didn't mean to stop when he was leading the agents to the quarry. Yes. And, and then he felt ashamed for stopping. He's just it's such... Like, yeah, like, it's... Just, this poor... For Joseph K, is just, it, it seems to be like it's just... Kafka's alter ego. Yeah. Just navigating all this these years of abuse of just not understanding what why he deserved it. And yeah. Just taking it. And it feels like it's all about the indignity and the senselessness of his demise in mm -hmm. Joseph K's case <sighs> yeah poor man a lot of alienation a lot of existential anxiety a lot of uh, the futility of the struggle against the system absolutely mm. the kafka's motif of the world not being pleasant yeah yeah like the world being absurd mm -hmm. i would love to see like a comparison of like a, a comparative analysis of the trial and the stranger that's a good point i feel like they i don't know you could do it <laughs> me yeah mm -hmm. we could do it we but could. it would be long yeah and you guys would be tired of us talking about absurdism by then or would you how mm -hmm. could you ever would you <laughs> yeah but i think it's it to me they seem it seems like there's a lot to unpack there between these two so books i just much. can't even begin so to much. unpack them any thoughts airy feely dearest we can talk a bit about, I think, Kafka's work in general, and maybe a little bit about Kafka's letters to Milena. Nice. If you want. Sure. You've read Metamorphosis. I haven't. I have read I've read Letters to Milena. Yes. Let's talk about it. Metamorphosis. You've done some great Instagram memes about it. <laughs> the roaches. Yeah, <laughs> like, people love your memes. <laughs> oh, I have a lot of fun. Kafka's a really fun inspiration for meme making. He really is. Yeah. So thank you, Kafka, once again. 
Well, Metamorphosis, for one, is a very short read. It's, in a nutshell, a story of a traveling salesman named Gregor. Gregor Samza. Samza. What a name. It's satisfying to say. I know, right? I like it. So he's a salesman who ultimately one morning wakes up in his bed and he's transformed into a giant bug. As you do. Uh-huh. Is he like a human-sized bug? Yeah, he's a Damn. giant bug. I Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners or Aerie, I don't remember if it's explicitly said what kind of bug he is, so I don't know if he's a roach. I'm assuming... I feel like he's always a roach in things that I see about it, yeah. but I don't know if people just decided that. It seems to me like this was the intention behind it because roaches aren't clean. That must have come from a healthy Pest. place of mind. Right? <laughs> As all of Kafka's work does. <laughs> He's just spewing wellness at this point. <laughs> wellness, wellness girly. He was a wellness girly. I have a lot of recommendations for books and content for Kafka if you were alive this day. Oh yeah, there's a whole side of TikTok for him. So yeah, so he's inexplicably woke, wakes up one day as a bug. And in essence, it, the novel just portrays this bizarre and strange dynamic of... Gregor's transformation or metamorphosis and the dynamic of his family and how they adapt to this new very strange event Gregor's very alienated from his family his identity completely changes I mean if you look like a giant mammoth beetle you probably are going to be treated a little differently but what is interesting (laughs) is the fact that then it's debated within his family whether or not like this person is in fact Gregor. But then eventually his family just is, is debating whether or not to keep the bug or not. Like, get should rid of we it. keep him? What should we do what with him? What should we do with him? Yeah. <laughs> like, you guys, what's the deal with he's Gregor? He's just in like... his room. Yeah, he's just <laughs> in his room. And his parents are like, bro, we gotta get rid of this thing. <laughs> and it's once again a manifestation of Kafka. Kafka, like, girl, should we keep him? Should we keep him not? He's a little right. disgusting. And so <laughs> this comes the, this inherently is where the word Kafka S comes from, the inherited absurdity. Yeah. And pointlessness. Valid. Yeah. Kind of makes you think that you could write a story about anything. True. I'm having an existential moment. You you can you really can do it all. I Born love I love a philosophical novella. Me too. I love a little story that is absurd and the author is just like, I wanted to address some insane themes through it and here you go, take it. With such talent. Yeah, like it's satisfying for me. I like it. And then we have letters to Milena. TikTok's favorite. You guys love these. I love them too. So Letters to Milena is a collection of letters Kafka wrote to Milena Jesenska, who was a journalist and writer between 1920 and 1923. Damn, only three years. Only three years? I mean, I feel like... (laughs) Yeah, fair. I don't know. It's a short love affair in hindsight. Yeah. I guess we're just saying only three years. No, that's interesting. I don't know. It At the time, like... people's people's affairs dragged on for decades. I guess so. Whereas nowadays, it's just things move so quickly. So that was Kafka's other situation mm-hmm. show. <laughs> Kafka, um, boy. I really like these letters just because the like I think it's some of the most beautiful prose Kafka has produced. Milena was married at the time of their correspondence. Interesting. Thanks. And she was very important to Kafka. She was someone that he felt he could have a lot of intellectual understanding with. Like, she really influenced him. Although their relationship was largely platonic and just largely through letters, 
it was very intense to Kafka and quite complicated. So you're telling me all of this was pl- like he had no romantic feelings quote unquote platonic. I mean, if you read those letters, this, yeah, his letters do not reflect that at all. Like we're just friends. Um, this guy is putting soul crushing emotion into his letters. I love him. No, I love it too. But like, you cannot Honestly, tell me that's platonic. Bring that back, by the way. Like, I love letter a soul crushing letter. If anyone's listening, like, we love that. Letter writing, yeah, so romantic. for real. That's an art we should not let die. I think it's one of my favorite forms of art. Letter Me writing too. and we literature don't. too. I'm about to start writing you letters. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I if love If you're that. listening, if you are... You know, gonna listen to this in the future. Like, write me a good letter. Write ask my letter right now. Pause the episode, take a coffee, and write her a letter. That and a coffee. Yeah, that and a coffee. Another thing about the letters is that, the letters to Milano specifically, is that they do represent a lot of, they showcase a lot of the self-doubt and the existential angst that is evident in every single thing Kafka ever did. (laughs) He was not very good at, I guess, hiding his feelings. But I like that. I I love it. He wears his emotion on his sleeve. Yeah, he was a journaler, like me. <laughs> he was a journaler. I think he journaled so much. Impulsive. I, I heard... I, I feel did him. You, did like, you I read that him. too? I read that Kafka had a very... I'm going to try and put this in a very PG way. Kafka had insatiable sexual appetite. Damn. Yeah. I didn't know. But the fact that he's able to, like... He, he so-called so himself, like, and he had uncontrollable desires and he couldn't take control over his sexual attitude he could write so beautifully and so like you said romantically yeah i didn't know that no you do learn something every day don't you any other thoughts as a closing thought Mm -hmm. (laughs) there is no inherent meaning to life and that is certainly what kafka i believe is, is really trying to explain to us life is absurd there's no inherent meaning kafka do you think he's a nihilist that's a very it's tricky hard. question. I certainly think he's pessimistic. In that case, maybe he's more of a nihilist than he is absurdist. Because it doesn't feel like he makes... I mean, I think what would differentiate him, mm-hmm. what would classify him as an absurdist, is mm-hmm. if you could say that Joseph K. really does find he hope makes peace with in it. the end, in the way that you see at the end of The Stranger by Camus, right? Which is definitely the absurdist in... instead of nihilistic, mm-hmm. because... It ends on an optimistic note. It it ends on a note of acceptance. Yeah, he's made peace, peace with it. He's made peace with it. I don't know if I feel that same energy coming from Kafka. Yeah, I feel it very pessimistically, though. Yeah. I think maybe he sits somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, it, it doesn't feel like Joseph K. ever really accepts the absurdism of his situation. That's true. He's, he's very... He is completely taken over by his anxiety about the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so desperately trying to figure it out. Whereas, yeah, it really does put a lot of things into perspective for me. Yeah. I liked it. You liked I think it? it? Yeah, I, I liked... Did this discussion change your mind? No, I mean, I still feel the same way about the book. Uh-huh. I just certainly think that it has opened my eyes to a few more mm-hmm. thoughts that I've had. Yeah. So I'm glad I did read this. I'm glad that the listeners recommended it. And it certainly has put a lot of things into perspective for me. Yeah, I think it's a work that was kind of needed. Like, someone had to do that. I'm glad I read it at this age. Well, it was very interesting. Yeah. I love this discussion. Thank you. We had a lot of fun recording this episode. We did. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for next episode because we've got some exciting stuff. Yes, we do. To discuss. We have some exciting updates coming up. Lots of love. Yeah. Smooch, smooch. Bye. Your espresso epilogues, girlies.